Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the Roman's Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. And today we're going to be talking a lot of shit about Porto. Um, but I'm a little bit conflicted because we do have one foot kind of sort of in the in the semis, uh, dare I say it. So mm-hmm. uh, here Don't to count your here... chickens where they hash, hatch, Zach. Listen, I'm I'm, I'm going to do something a little different this time. Oh, I, I... no. I think before actually introducing you guys, I'm going to flex a little bit on the 2-0 match prediction that I convinced Sam to join yeah. me on last week. And it actually came true. And 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 just to just for clarification, I went back and I listened to the beginning of our last pod and um here I have the notes here. I could pull them up really quick. And Sam said notes. uh it depends Psalm said his 2-0 prediction depended on the defense that we picked for today's game. So I'm assuming that includes Ben Chilwell. So Psalm, yeah, so I was you right. were going to lean 1-0, and, but, but then you thought, wait, maybe if Ben <laughs> Chilwell starts, we can get he'll, he'll, he'll beat the keeper with a beautiful goal. I, I, I predicted that exact goal, to be honest. Uh, uh, that, was, that was a huge, like, like I'm imagining, like, the train engine in, a, in the chili train and that's just one huge shovel of coal into the engine to fire it up a little bit more you know just it's, it's going along there yeah no we're not chugging anymore bro we're going full speed ahead full steam full steam ahead full yeah. full steam man we're going all whatever, steam whatever it is andres how you doing man great day today is wasn't it i mean perfect result two nil away yeah, I'll take that every first leg if we can. It'd be great. Especially in a match where I think it was maybe 50-50 split as far as who was the better team uh, throughout the match. Maybe maybe even 60-40 Porto, I think, for the whole. Because there were long stretches of stretches of time where... They would attack, attack, attack. We'd get the ball back, lose it immediately, and they attack, attack again. Uh, definitely a lot of butt clenching moments in that match, including that that offsides call after uh, Pepe headed it off a corner, and then you know it was saved on the goal line. But that was just offsides. You know, all these moments, kind of things that happened to us, and <laughs> we're unlucky and don't get the goal. We end up scoring two times. Uh, both times probably off of like uh, poor defense, like just two mistakes that just led to us scoring. But man, that Mason Mount turn—we haven't even mentioned that. Let's 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 start off with uh, the starting eleven. Mendy and goal uh, once again, three-four-three three formation. Rudiger, Christensen, and Dave in the back line. Chilwell and Reese James as the fullbacks. Then we got Jovicic as the double pivot. Timo Werner, Mason Mount, and Kai Havertz up front. Um, so, I mean, the first the first surprising part, uh, at least to me, is how infatuated with these ugly red and blue Crystal Palace kits I've become uh, over the last couple matches. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's, is it like our good luck jersey. I don't know, uh, but I mean, we got a Twitter question. Are we unbeaten uh-huh. in it or something? I don't know, but it looked we looked really good this time. I used to hate it, and now I hate it a lot less. Like I'll I'll, I'll leave it at that. 
we actually got a Twitter Twitter question from at uh, Russell Saunders. Should we wear the third kit for the rest of the season? Zach, do you like you like those third kits that much? You want to wear it the rest of the season? I was I was happy when when Chelsea signed Nike because I usually just tend to wear Nike like Nike running shoes and things like that. But good lord, I mean, year after year they continue to mess up our one of our kits. And this year it, it happened to be our third kit. Last year it was our home kit. But oh god, I I'm just not a fan of it. But look, if we're gonna keep winning, then uh, long may it continue. They could wear all the pink and blue and red and whatever i don't i don't even know what color that is andres is it salmon <laughs> that's his question is it salmon <laughs> I, I would call it more of a coral uh-huh oh like it, a coral. it's better it's better than the leaks for next year's kits right andres i know you hate those oh my god listen man i you know when you're in like third grade and you have to take art class because you think band and orchestra are lame so you decided to do art and music. And there's that one like unit where they're like, okay, we're going to work on patterns. So abstractism, <laughs> you have to draw six lines through the, the, the page randomly. And in each section that you drew, I need you to do a different pattern. That is what Nike grabbed and decided to do on our Chelsea kits. For Wait, next are you saying that that's not considered art or what? Uh, Cause the, I consider listen, that art for sure. Listen, yeah, it's, it's art. An expression that goes, of goes. Of, it goes in a with a magnet on your fridge because your parents no. don't want to tell you that you're an awful <laughs> drawer. It does not go on these very sculpted bodies of professional <laughs> athletic men that represent this club. What an insult! Hey, I, if, I if, it, if they were designing it for Man United, it would kind of make sense because they have a fridge on their team already. So it's like throwing it up on a fridge. <laughs> there uh, you go. That would make more they sense. Need a, they need to stick to to keeping it simple. I feel like the nicest Nike kit was Conte's second season, our home kit, just that flat, like royal just, blue. That's all it was. It was. Beautiful, simple but beautiful. We look like a group of. We look like an army when we walked out onto the pitch. Now we. We literally look like a hipster football club walking out with pink kits. We've never worn pink ever Next in the history of – yeah, yeah. The yellow one looks so much better because it's yellow on yellow, so the patterns get lost well, if that well, is like a true thing. But well, we've, we've worn yellow though before. Of course, of course. I have the yellow kits. But I, I, I haven't seen yellow as the accent color to our blue kits in a while. Yeah, and the way they're putting them into these league kits is bad. So to Russell Saunders' question, if wearing <laughs> the third kit means we don't have to get new kits next season, I'm all in. All right, let's stop talking about kits. Let's talk about the match. Um, let's start off with what our about, fullbacks. Our wait, wingbacks, wait, wait, what I about mean. our boy Kojo? Oh, <laughs> he just said, oh, how I've missed this pod, man. Tuchel's a wonderful manager, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, I don't I'll, know. I'll, I'll let Zach. I'll let Zach start because he didn't want Tuchel. Yeah, I didn't. I I wasn't a big fan. I mean, I wasn't gonna say I'm not a big fan. I, I I wasn't. I didn't think it was the right timing. I rated him as a manager. I just thought him coming mid-season, it it just wouldn't be the right timing for someone to come in and just completely change the way we play. But 
look, man, I'm going to give him all the credit in the world. The dressing room seems to have gotten itself together, contrary to what uh, Matt Law believes. And, um, you know, there's players are performing out of their skin. We're, we're seeing the best of Mason Mount, which is something a lot of fans were worried about when Frank left. Um, but, you know, he's getting the best out of Mount. We're getting something out of Alonzo now. Christensen came back to life. Rudiger came back to life. Keppa even looks better. I just think the overall mood has gotten uh, uplifted when Tuchel came in. And, and and that's not to say that Frank was the reason why it came down. You know, it, it's no secret that the job was, was too big for him when he took it. So it, it was only a matter of time. But, yeah, Andres, I mean, if you're trying to get me to, uh, to admit that I'm going to eat my words, I guess this is it. I'm, I'm happy with him. In fact, I love him. I love hearing him speak. I think my favorite part about him is his post-match press conferences because he's brutally honest. There's no yeah. bullshitting. There's no games. We don't have to we don't have to sit here and write a script and try and guess what Tuchel's going to do next match. He pretty much tells you, um, and, and he tells you exactly where the players stand. And I think that's something that's really important here. We've seen him have quote unquote issues with Cho, quote unquote issues with Chilwell, quote unquote issues with. Uh, with all these different players in the squad that when he came in and now all of a sudden look what's happened all these guys are performing out of their skin it's it's lovely long may it continue i like it i like Andres it. just wanted to hear that because he has such a strong anti uh anti-english agenda that he wants to <laughs> he wants proof that that was the right decision to get rid of Dude. Frank Lampard only because he's English. That is, that's we got our look, first. Look, our, let's give our, our listeners some context, though. Really, yeah, quick. yeah. Okay, so we got our first. Tom is our joking, first, by the way. We need yeah, to just go ahead. Here's and... context. So we got our first official block on Twitter. Uh, a bloke by the name of M J Murphy, and I don't use the word bloke lightly because this guy, pro- his his picture is him drinking a. A, a pint of beer so he's definitely was pissed drunk while uh, on a twitter rampage and i mean last episode andreas made a comment about matt law and you know suggesting that he may be xenophobic and not like foreigners and <laughs> i tweeted delete this to a to a I forget what he tweeted, Matt Law. He but... he basically oh, he just, he said he, I wasn't on match. Oh, he duty. shit on Kai Havertz. Yeah, yeah he shit he's on like Kai I Havertz. wasn't on match duty today, but I think Kai Havertz's best position is not playing. And it's yeah. like, dude, we just won two nil, and you're gonna go on like a Fuck a smudging guy. campaign right now. Like we first haven't been we in made... a quarterfinals yeah. in seven years. We win the first match two nil, and instead of saying against all odds. When Chelsea didn't look best, they still got a result. You're like, oh, let me take a dump on the expensive transfer that is still trying to adjust to the new team. Like, before we go on to this guy being a complete asshat online, <laughs> it's just one of those things where I think we're, we live in the time where, like, if DDA Drogba was a signing today – this group of media and journalists would say that he had an awful first season because he only scored 10 goals for Chelsea in his first season. Oh, he would have gotten the Morata treatment. Yeah, and that's my thing. Morata's another player. He wasn't great. Don't get me wrong. But the amount of, like, shit, like, we were, obviously we weren't big fans, but the amount of shit that was written about the guy, like, you never, and I'm 
I'm being dead serious. I, I don't use absolutes, but you never see that from somebody that was born in England, period. And that's all I wanted to point out. I wasn't saying anything else by that. And, yeah, the moment this guy clicked his yeah. profile, saw that I wasn't born <laughs> in the UK, he decided that I have an anti-English agenda. And when minutes before that tweet, all I said was that Mason Mount is the savior of the season. So, it's not. Yeah. It's not like uh, we had the Barkley bus, the Chili Train, Team yeah. Tammy, Mason Mount for president slash captain. No, we had Mason Mount for captain, Christian Pulisic for pre. I mean, like, if anything, we we don't hate any of these guys. But but here's this All is right, where I let me look, I, I I haven't explained the story yet. Let me explain oh, it yeah, first yeah, before you it, go man. into it. Yeah. Okay, so so this guy responded, uh, you know, like why because he has a valid point he's xenophobic grow up you know like and he was insinuating that he said when you were talking about andrea said something he said when you said english manager you obviously met lampard i know your agenda i see it at all times on here and so do others hence the massive divide in thought and opinion between overseas fans and homegrown fans <laughs> and i said with all due respect mr murphy you don't know shit about his agenda <laughs> And his response with class, he said, go fuck yourself, you moron. Like, anyone over this side of the pod respects your opinion. And pretty much, he, and he was just insinuating that we hate English players. And he made the point saying, like, if like if you don't like English players, it begs the question, why do you support an English club? And I just flipped it right back on him and it said, you know, it begs, this is the more you know reasonable question if we are supporters of an english club why would we have an anti-english agenda <laughs> how does that make sense it just doesn't make sense these guys are with that argument these guys are like i don't know it's it's like it's like QAnon types of people and for some reason they think that <laughs> americans it, just because we like said this before just because we we support Polisic means that we're anti Mainston yeah. Mounts. Okay, that's yeah. that's you know, that's the, the tag I, I did, automatically we before, get. Before before the block came, I did click into his profile, and it's funny because his second most recent tweet, he, he doesn't tweet regularly. He just responds. So you know this guy literally feeds troll. off of being an ass. Yeah. His tweet was, "Has anybody seen Polistic on the field?" So he himself fit the characteristic that I was describing because. I didn't see any Hypocrite. praise for English players all over his Twitter, but the one thing I did find in the very first page from like a month or two ago was just nothing productive, nothing constructive taking down the one American player on the team. So like our mm. good friend Bobby <laughs> said, it goes both ways. And it's even yeah. stronger the other way. There's come on, what yeah. are you talking about? Here, how can we how could we not here, like English players? <laughs> How's that possible? we usually do a really good job of like staying away from the internet trolls but this one was this one was a this one was a a poo poo face i called him I, like, we, like, we were trolling we, him the whole time until he said <laughs> fuck you moron and i was like what well Jesus yeah Christ. well, well it, it's not like i come on this podcast and advocate for mason mount being our next captain like every other pod literally every <laughs> other pod guys uh it, 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 it's a bit ridiculous. I think uh, I think we made a big mistake in not unleashing Russell Saunders on him. I no, think Russell I, Saunders would agree with him. What do you mean? He's on his side. 
No, I don't think <laughs> Russell kidding. Saunders would no. agree with him whatsoever. No, I'm just kidding. But he Here's does the make thing. fun of us for being American, though, which is which I just is fair feel play. like we're I feel like we're kind of stuck in this generation uh, where it kind of ties in with the journalism and what Andres is saying with Matt Law too. Like Andres, you're describing the types of stories he writes. That's toxic journalism. That's the reason why things have gotten to the way uh, as bad as bad as it is now. When you go True. on Twitter, True. that's why it's this volatile because people are retweeting those journalists. They're retweeting their articles. They're retweeting their tweets. They're retweeting these false reports and all this bullshit, and they're blowing it completely out of proportion. So now anytime we're going to see Antonio Rudiger get off the team bus and he's not standing next to, to uh, near Keppa it's going to be an issue or <laughs> like anytime he's not near an English player. Oh, it's, it's a fucking issue now. No. Remember last week when Pulisic got subbed out at halftime and the coaching staff went ballistic on the sidelines as the journalist reported. Well, who was the first sub that came on today? Like th this is the, this is exactly the problem. So I think by not giving into it, uh, I think that's probably the right way to go about it. And this time, guys, we we just kind of fucking had to. Like, a dickhead needs to be put in his place. Nah, it <laughs> wasn't even. It situations. wasn't even. I don't know if it was even putting him in his place. Like, we were we weren't even offended at any point. It was more like just for fun, like feeding it was into it just to like mess with him, because to think that he's actually yeah. doing something. But anyway, I think the moral of that story is Matt Law can go fuck himself. Like, that's. Yeah. That's pretty much the moral of the story. Let's let's go into let's go into the damn the song. Now the we're never gonna get him as a guest. Good. <laughs> well, we'll bring him on for the villa match or something. <laughs> All right. Um. So <laughs> let's talk about those wing backs, baby, because Reese James and Chilwell together played. I think were our two like most standout players this match because i think Thank everyone you else for was picking your words wisely Whew. why what do you think me. i was gonna say i thought you were just gonna say like overall fantastic performance no they they stood okay. out the most they they yeah I mean, chill well obviously the goal set up a couple other chances made good forward runs reese james defensively all over the pitch amazing i mean just like absolutely bullying people uh, and also doing a good job coming forward as well. Um, just going through Reese James's stats, 100% aerials won, four tackles, seven crosses, six duels won, five clearances, six ball recoveries. Zach, uh, what what did you see from Reese James today? I was really impressed with Reese James um, in the defensive sense. I think this is everything that we're looking for um, in terms of having that elite level defensive fullback. Now, we know Reese James has the package offensively as well with the crossing, the shooting, the technical ability. It all kind of speaks for himself, but I think it. I think the fact that we're talking about his defending in a game like this more than anything – uh, just kind of shows how far he's come as a footballer in general. So kudos to him. I think I think the key now, because you know that was our one big criticism, was the defensive side of things. And I think now the next step for him is making this a consistent uh, a consistent occurrence, where every single week he's putting in a solid shift defensively. We're not asking for ten out of tens, um, but but we do we we do need to see that consistency and. 
Um, look, I this was a tough match. I, I'm going to go ahead and say it now because it's going to sound like I'm criticizing a lot of our players, but Porto were really good. Let's not get it twisted. Um, their energy, the game plan, the tactics, I thought everything was pretty spot on. And the manager would have been happy with the performance barring you know, giving up Chilwell's goal at the end. Um, but but kind of circling this back around to Reese James, that consistency would be key. Um, and, and performing in matches like this, where you have the pressure, again, that intensity that I spoke about that Porto brought, um, and, and just the stakes and uh, what they're playing for, these are the kind of games where he's going to learn the most from. So I'm glad he took it. He took his opportunity by the scruff of the neck, and uh, it was really solid today. What about you, Andreas? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think you guys hit a nail on the head. Reese James just looked like a, a man amongst boys defensively. The, the the guys on the outside for Porto would try to body him or try to push him, and he was just a stalwart. In terms of Chilwell, it's just nice to to see, you know, just a week ago or so, maybe he was doing international break, him being brutally honest about him having to change up his game a bit to, to fit this wingback role. And, you know, he, in this match, was making these runs past the front three. And I feel like we don't see that often with Ben Chilwell. Um, even though our midfield wasn't good about getting him the ball, you can tell he's kind of understanding more so what his role is when we do when we are on the ball. Defensively, we know he was always going to be better than, than Alonzo just because, you know, he's a traditional fullback, kind of goes both ways in terms of the attack. Like, he's not just offensive or just offensive. Ooh. Goes both ways, huh? <laughs> I clarified. I clarified. Sorry. <laughs> and, and, yeah, I mean, the guy, to, to hear him talk about the work he has to do and then to, to see a performance like this where, where, you know, we discuss the fact that it's not about – you know, the, the numbers may not show everything for the players today, but you could tell that these two guys were working their asses off and, and they were giving it their all for 90 minutes. So, yeah, I, I, I agree that these guys stood out. And it's it's something that's been, I think, missing for a couple matches, actually, the production from the, the wing backs that we saw so early on in Tuchel's tenure. Um, so it's really great even, seeing Chilwell. Sorry, yeah, sorry, sorry to cut ahead. you off, Sam. Uh, even in the beginning of Frank's tenure, when, right, yeah, true. when we first signed Chilwell, that was the first player Or the beginning of this started... season, not not Frank's tenure, the beginning of this yeah, season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, sorry, yeah. yeah. Uh, the beginning of this season. I mean, when Chilwell came in, he was the one that hit the ground running. So it was kind of interesting that he had to take the back seat when Tuchel came in. So, I mean, kudos to him, man. That I mean, it, it shows grit. It shows mentality. And to be honest, he's also doing it when he's getting sent away with England as well. So, overall, he's feeling good about himself. He has no reason not to. You know, he's really feeling good about himself. Uh, Kirill's Medvedev, who wrote in on Twitter that Chile's goal, he said, Chile's goal made me want to touch myself. Uh, maybe TMI? <laughs> maybe a little bit? Hell but, no. But but you know, I, I feel that on every level possible. Physically? Do you feel it, Sam? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I'm touching myself, then yes. Absolutely. <laughs> it's physical. I have, by definition, it is. 
but yeah, just well, back to that goal. That it, was that was you know the just the goal by itself was amazing, and the fact that it gave us the second away goal for tiebreaker. You know how much I I hate scoring one away goal. I feel like that's not even an advantage. So the fact that we got the second, we really do have an advantage going into the second leg, and that we need everything that we can get when uh, Mehdi Taremi comes back for the second leg, because that's going to be trouble for us for sure, guaranteed. Right? Yeah, yeah for sure. Right. Okay, cool. Just wanted, to, just wanted confirmation, you guys. Look, are we can be, we scared. can be as, we can be as sarcastic as we want, though. Um, Who's being sarcastic? It sounds to me like it's a little bit of sarcasm, but but again, like I actually think Porto were pretty good in this game. They just didn't create enough, which I thought was unfortunate for them. But um, I mean, well, Taremi and what's his name, Oliveira. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I think Andreas said this before we started recording. They're responsible for like what thirty, forty percent of their goals. Forty percent of the goals. So so like I mean, all seriousness, right? Yeah, in all seriousness, those two missing, it was, yeah, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, in the final third, they they would get there, and then they would shut down. Like, it it felt very Chelsea-esque in a way, because after the first 10 minutes where we were strong, Porto came out, and they were knocking. It's just, they were awful when they got close to the box. And you're right, 40% of your goals come for two players, and those two players weren't there. It almost was like, Oh, okay. That's what's missing. So, you know, the they had that big guy up front. Oh my yeah. God, I can't remember his name. But he was trying. He was trying to pressure and he was trying to do things, but he just isn't wasn't good enough. I feel that. I feel that as well. All right, let's look. We we talked about two of our brighter standing out players, but uh, I want to discuss man of the match because. It was Jorginho, according to UEFA, or whoever decides it. Um, but in my opinion, that probably was not the right decision from what I saw. Um, I know he got the assist, and, you know, that's that's really cool. Sam, you just, you just hate Italians, dude. <laughs> it's my agenda. Anti-Italian, can... anti-Brazilian you, agenda. You want, me to, you want me to prove my point, Sam? Yeah. Do you like, do you like Emerson? Oh, shit that's what I, that's what i thought you got me see yeah. I, 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 i'm not like i'm even trying to hide my agenda at this point you know that's the funniest part the word the word agenda i will never get over that okay i like, I like agenda man of the match so here will here is who i have in contention okay mason mount scored the technically the match winner but that spin was just nasty and guess what he got it on his right foot and you know where that ends up in the back of the net. When that happens, it's a goal. Mendy, I mean, I think he deserves a big shout. Obviously, what was it? It's, I think it was like his 21st clean sheet for the team. Uh, five saves. All were shots from inside the 18. So, very impressive performance from him. Chile, you know, obviously we said that. The, the sexy goal, the away goal. And then uh, I'm going to put Jorginho in there as well just because... <laughs> He actually won it, so it seems weird to not even include him as a as a possible candidate. Andreas, <laughs> who's your man of the match? Well, so I want to point out, so Russell, our listener Russell Saunders was commented on the UEFA thing. He was like, 
did I watch a different game? Because I did not expect Jorginho to be winning man of the match. And <laughs> I commented, I was like, dude, I'm right there with you. I, I don't understand. And, you know, somebody commented to us and was like, you need to look at the stats. And then I was like, okay. I went in and looked at the stats. Turns out Jorginho lost the most duels in the match by any player. By lost a long 13. shot. Check the and stats, bro. He got an assist. I get it. But if you look at the expected assist, meaning how much of that pass really led to the goal itself, it was 0.02. So just huh? like I mentioned, how do you measure that the, the, where the pass went, how many touches the next player Talk took to before Andres. scoring, fighting, that sort of fighting thing. Fighting stats with stats. Look at the stats, so, bro. Look at the stats. Yeah. So I was told to look at the stats. So here. Wait, I am. what was that stat called? Expected, expected expected goals xg. No, expected assists xa. Oh. Oh, yeah. XA. So, so he got wow. the assist because XXX? he did speed. The pass went to Mount. But Mason Mount turned, took a touch, and then took a very, very shot, which also, when you look at expected goals, was not a very high. It was not very high on that metric. So for them to give him out of the match for one assist while defensively also lo- losing the most duels was a bit of a shock. But for me... He looked okay defensively, match, I thought. Honestly, like it was, it, he did he did have it, some standout bad moments, but I thought overall it was one of his better defensive ma- matches. Honestly, I thought he was comparatively. Comparatively, I'll, I'll, I'll say this: when Kovacic would dive into tackles, I thought that Jorginho was well placed to be the recovery man behind him, which he usually is. To be fair but, to him, and but, he was but diving that's in like too. the one things I didn't notice. Um, I mean, in terms of who I would say man of the match is, I mean, I, I think it it has to be. I mean, Mason Mount, at the point of of his goal, it looked like we were not going to get anything done in this game. And I think that that really changed the tide. And, and going into halftime, you know, up up a goal was huge. Because in the second half, we looked much better, which isn't saying much, but it definitely felt like the tides had turned. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was Mount, man. Um, not just for that moment of brilliance, but – he is consistently, you know, he's the one guy we, we talked about the subs coming in and it's like, please God, don't take out Mason Mount. Obviously he did end up coming out later on, but he, he's what's making everything tick. And, and I think he, he had a fair shot at man of the match as well. I don't think I, any of our listeners believe the word you said. You're just trying to dispel <laughs> your anti-English agenda. Just, <laughs> we get it, Andreas. You don't like him, but okay. <laughs> Zach, what do you what what do you think? Future captain, leader, legend, Mason Mount. It, it, again, for it's the same. It's the same reason Andreas just said. Um, the one that sticks out the most to me is oh, up to that point, Porto were the better side. They did create the better chances. I have a note here. Uh, Twenty five minutes into the match, and Porto's created the better chances so far. 100% true. I mean, it really didn't look like we were going to get anything up until that point. And there was a couple of things that did go in our favor. One, the Porto defender diving at the ball. But let's not take away from the brilliance of that spin because he did take that touch perfectly. I don't think he, I, I don't think he could have spun any quicker than he did. Um, and then also the finish. The angle for him was awful, uh, especially for a right footer. Um, and the way he hit the ball, he had to put power behind it and pace, and he had to put it in that corner. Now, I, I, initially, I, I criticized the goalkeeper, but when they showed the replay, 
if you look at where the ball hits the net, I don't think any goalkeeper is getting their hands on that. And if they do, it's it, it, it's, it's a world you know, class one of the save. best in the world. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. So for that reason, I'm going to go Mason Mount. I think it's fitting that I'm giving it to him too, just because he does tend to be the most important player for us. And I think that was exemplified when uh, Tuchel took him off the pitch. Um, like Andres said, you know, we're all thinking, please, God, don't take him out. But the second he hooked him, I'm thinking, okay, he's 100% starting Crystal Palace. There's no way we're game, game planning for that match without Mason Mount. And let's keep in mind, um, you know, Conte did play today, which is great. Uh, but we don't know if he's ready to play a full 90 or if he's even ready to start a match. So the possibility is that we might see Mason Mount play some minutes in a deeper role next match just to fill in some gaps. Um, but, you know, that's assuming if Conte is not completely healthy. Uh, hopefully he is. I mean, he, he looked okay, but... Um, mm -hmm. I, I do want to have an honorable mention though to uh, Edward Mendy. I mean, the five saves, all all five shots came from inside the 18. Uh, I think we only conceded two goals in the Champions League thus far, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, he's a huge part of that. So major, major shout out to him. Thank yeah. God it wasn't Keppa in there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and for the record, I I agree with Mason Mount. That's my pick too. Um, all right, for this next part, if your name is is not Matt Law, just skip ahead. This not this section is not for you because we're about to shit on the Germans. So uh, if your name is Matt Law, <laughs> continue listening. Um, well, we're, let's talk about Kai Havertz and Timo. Um, both played uh, up until the 65th minute until they were both yanked. Um, very, I think, I think the the perfect word to describe it was uninspiring. Um, really had zero effect on the match for any portion of it whatsoever i mean if you just look at the touches kai had 23 touches timo had 14 touches including he he lost the ball dribble dribbling in open space <laughs> i don't understand how does that like he forgot out of all, he forgot out of, the ball out of like, all oh, of the things the pass, out of all the things good. like that's happened to him like just to add that on top of it it was like Come on, man! Like you're not doing yourself any favors here. Like we're 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 all out here rooting for you, and I get it if you're gonna take a shot and it's wide of the post or you hit it right to the keeper. Like I'll forgive you for that, but losing the ball with zero pressure on you, like come on, man! While 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 Chilwell is making an amazing run, and you could have had the hockey assist right there, um, but you know. Kai Havertz as a striker, zero shots, he, he, 11 passes completed, lost the ball five times. He lost five out of six ground duels, um, probably a lot to do with uh, Pepe out there and, uh, you know, the the, the experience, yeah, the experience, uh, let's say, that he brings <laughs> into the match. <laughs> But, Everybody uh, likes to say experience with him, but it's it's shithousery. He's just yeah. been he's like one of the all time greats at shithousing. That's why he's been. You in the learn game that so long. exactly. You learn that through time, through experience. Yep. You become you learn how to take advantage of those things. But uh, Timo attempted one shot, which was that header over the bar. I mean, it was just overall very very disappointing. I liked the I liked the selection a lot going into it, and I just I I, I, le I was left baffled by how little that they did. I don't know what to blame. Like maybe there is a little bit of blame to 
be given to the selection of the midfield because neither of them were able to get the ball to Timo or Kai Havertz when they're making runs behind the back line. Um, so, you know, not 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 even it's not even that they're we, not able do, to make though? that. I, I I don't know. I mean, it's it, I think that is not the reason why, but it's definitely a contributing factor. It, it contributed. I mean, we that. talked about that pass from Kovacic where he won the ball in midfield. Mm-hmm. Nobody's around him, has an option to pass to both Timo and Kai in space, and the ball was near neither of them. He had a third yeah. he had a third option out wide even farther right. He missed all of them. And then there's another but one where he did a through ball through the air right into the keeper's hands on the Kai Havertz one. And even these know. players were, were involved in, in a moment where it could have been like the redemption for a bad game where Timo pressed the keeper and he kind of like last second instead of trying to shoot because it would have been a tough shot. He kind of squared it and Havertz reacted to it late. Like that could have been there like, okay, you guys were bad, but you did something good and they couldn't even get that done. So it's just like for, for Havertz, I, I'm not sure the, the, the situation here. He's been kind of like, flip of a coin because he has been really good but he also has been mediocre but with Timo I think it's just time to to sit him down for two matches like I mean fully sit him down on the bench and and he doesn't play not in the I, squad yeah yeah right you put him in the bench you never know what happens injuries happen all the time but I legitimately think that at this point I understand Tuchel's trying to play him out of the slump but if he can't play himself out of the slump the confidence is going to continue to plummet and I think that's far more dangerous than playing the players that are picking up form, such as Ziyech and Pulisic, who, again, some mentioned that Timo had 14 touches in 65 minutes. Pulisic had 17 touches in, quick math here, 25 minutes. So that tells you everything. And that's with Porto turning the screw. Yeah. Sorry, Andres. No, you're good. I was just I was just pointing out that in terms of Kai Havertz, I think, you know, because we haven't had a solution at striker, he's had to play as our, our striker. And now Tammy's healthy, so hopefully he gets a shot again at it because Kai is also not scoring. But in terms of Timo, I mean, under Tuchel, he has one goal so far, and it's been now 15, 16 matches. So... Started damn near every single one of them and had good chances. Right, right. and I know there's pressure from the board. I understand. But Tuchel also has to remember that this board is ruthless, and if he doesn't do his job by getting the points, he's not going to stick around long enough. So I think it's time to to just give Timo an actual break. Like, he needs a footballing break because he's just all, all up in his own head, both internationally and at club level. All in favor for uh, sending him to Germany to spend some time uh, with his homies? Let him practice. Let him stay at the – no, I say he can stay in England because then he'd have to quarantine and stuff. Just leave him here. Just let Pulisic start. Well, here's my thing. Uh, First attack of the match, uh, Kai Havertz gets it on the left and squares the ball right across the face of the goal. Um, I said it before the match started. I said Giroud, but I think if we had any sort of natural striker, we'd probably tap that in and start the match on the front foot. Um, and, and and who knows what could have happened from there. They could have completely capitulated conceding that early. But my point is um, Timo's not making those runs. 
and, 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 you know, Mason Mount's obviously playing in a deeper position, but that's, for me, that's more Timo's responsibility um, to get across the face of goal, especially when you're supposed to be a striker. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I agree with you. I think Timo needs to be dropped. Um, it's not that I don't rate him. It's not that I don't think he's important. I think if our, uh, I think he's one of our best players, honestly. Um, and, it's, and, and that's the thing. It's, it, it's not crazy to say it out loud, but in a way it kind of is because he really hasn't given us the numbers to back it up. But we've seen what kind of impact he could have on games um, when he's feeling good, especially when, it, when he has the ball at his feet running at defenders with pace. He's impossible to defend. Kai Havertz, I'm giving, I'm still giving him a pass, man, and, and here's why. Um, never really got a run out under Frank. Uh, obviously, he had the injury, um, and uh, he had the injury early on. Got into the team, played in what, like three or four different positions, in and out. Gets COVID, comes back. Things are falling apart. Now he's on the outside. Tuchel comes right back in. Uh, still kind of struggling with the residual effects of COVID with his cardio, whatever it might be. He just didn't look all right. Um, and then right before, and then he starts to look good under Tuchel finally, and then the international break hits. So my point is the guy hasn't gotten even three matches, three solid performances back to back to back yet in a Chelsea kit. So we can't expect him to come fresh off an international break, not playing for this side for two and a half weeks, straight into a Champions League match to perform at an elite level. It's asking a lot out of him. I know this is Chelsea Football Club. I know he's our bright, new, shiny signing that we pay a lot of money for. But guess what? Christian Pulisic was healthy for this game. He looked really good last time around. Granted, the injury issues are there. Okay, so you pick Hakeem Ziyech. If you don't want to pick Hakeem Ziyech, okay, great. You got another option. Oh, our leading European goal scorer is still on the bench. Why don't I pick that guy? We have so many options. I just don't see a need to force the performances out of the players. And Andres, you're right. I feel like Tuchel is kind of forcing Timo to get back into form. And it's – I felt like shoving Kai in here, it's not necessarily the same thing because you want him starting these games. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. You kind of get what you ask for with him. But more so with Timo – I feel like he really is trying to play him back in form too much. And it's, you know, when he, you know, when you start drinking, when you're sober, you can think clearly. What? Uh, hold on, hold on. Here's an analogy. Here's an analogy. Here's an analogy for you. And it's with Timo. When you're sober, you can think clearly, right? You can, you can do normal daily tasks like work and make dinner, whatnot. Then you start extent, drinking. Yes. Yeah. When you start drinking, what happens? I don't know. I think I get better at most things when I drink. So I might <laughs> okay, okay. that might be a good here's, example for me. <laughs> here's my neck. Here, okay, okay. So no. let me raise the level then. What happens when you get? What happens when you get drunk? <laughs> that was the same Calm. question. <laughs> what happens when? What happens when you get really drunk? You, you get start stupid. To slur. You get yeah. stupid. You get yeah. a little bit of brain fog. All we of learned a sudden, that today from the little... from the Twitter troll. Yeah, exactly. You get a little laxy daisy. You get a little bit of that brain fog. But but what are you supposed to do when you get to the point where you can't really control yourself anymore? You stop drinking. You don't keep drinking. And I feel like with Timo, 
he's already a drunk footballer, and Tuchel's just shoving more alcohol down his throat by playing him more and more and more. And that brain fog is getting worse. And my point is, well, Timo's brain analogy. fog got so bad to the point where he forgot the ball while he was dribbling today. So now, like, it's not a matter of we have a situation where a striker is not scoring goals. We have a situation where a footballer is forgetting to dribble. And, and that's what I'm worried about. Is like he's on the verge of blacking out at this point. That's what you're saying. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm scared. I'm scared if he blacks out, there's potential for a flop or even worse, fan backlash on Twitter or journalism. <gasps> With Timo Werner? No. With that Timo Werner. So, so, and that's my concern because I, I, I meant what I said. He really is one of our best players and he really is one of our most important players. But it's it, – we just need to get his mind right because everything else around him is going relatively well. So he seems to be the one person stuck in the darkest place right now. So the sooner we get him out, man, I, 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 I want to say I'm excited to see what's to come. But at the same time, it's like, is it ever going to happen? Because the way he's been managed up to this point, I just, I just haven't been a, a big fan of it. And to give to give Timo credit, he also had a really nice turn receiving the ball when he got he got pulled down uh, on a foul, and I thought I was like, "Wow, Timo Werner, he's playing with a little bit of confidence. I like that touch." But it it, it ended all right there. All right, um, last question on this section, and we'll go into more Twitter questions. This one's from Ron, aka Bone Daddy Cool, aka Bone Daddy Deluxe, aka Bone Daddy Supreme. He asked, so where are we watching the final at? Oh, I think the better question is, will Chelsea be in the final when we're when we're watching it? I think that's what he's insinuating. I'm all, I'm all in. Let's go. Hey, we're going to Stalking, stalking Horse, Zach? Is that what it's uh, called, right? The Stalking Horse? Let's go. Yeah, yeah. You know, if we make the Champions League final, I'm, I'm going to take the day off. Yeah, I'm raging, dude. That's it's it. It's a Saturday. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is on a <laughs> Let's it's go. the final, dude. What the hell am I thinking? Yeah, it's going to happen regardless. We'll do Stalking Horse song, 100%. Andreas, you're going to fly out for that? Um, no, but I did make a deal that I would drive into Austin and meet up with my good friends at Austin Blues and watch at Haymaker. So how that does, that, would be how does that help us? That, that I don't sounds, care about that. That sounds great, bud. Yeah, I don't care about hey. Austin Blues. No, I'm just kidding. I love Austin what's the Blues. Name, what's the name of your podcast with them? <laughs> hey no actually i really like whoever runs the fc austin blues always has yeah. witty and funny responses to our tweets so That's that yeah, was all fancy all right it's just if casey's listening who, and who heard is that, that last Andres? part that was banter Jens, he used to be the he used to be the president of austin blues he was the founder okay. um Jens? he used to he lived in london a long time ago before Stanford Bridges, the stadium it looked like today. He went to games, matches when he was a kid, and wow. he moved here and started Austin Blues. He's, I'm almost sure he's almost part owner of this Haymaker place, so he made sure that Chelsea fans had a home bar. He's extended that to, to also Everton and Man City. So big, big guy in the in the footballing community Look for at sure. Him. He's making money off of our off of our rivals. <laughs> He said, "If your if your uh, team wears blue, come on in. You can watch them. You can watch the match here. <laughs> but, but they get the small screens. Chelsea gets the big giant projector. Of course, of course. I mean, so Andres, I asked you, you I asked you to name drop him uh, so we can hold him accountable to come on the podcast now. 
Okay, I'm sure he would love that. Yeah, I'm sure he's. Let's make it happen. Yeah, let's let's do it. All right, let's go to Twitter questions. This one, the first one's from at Leonard Cohen, and he asks, "I got to do that because it's a letter." Dear Pod. Antonio Rudiger's renaissance under Thomas Tuchel continues as evidenced by his Champions League performance against Porto. What's the key difference now and the Lampard tenure? Was well, sorry, what's the key difference between now and the Lampard tenure that has seen Rudiger go from the exit door to game time? And in the pod's view, would Tuchel have sanctioned the loan of Fikayo Tomori to AC Milan? Well, let me add something to that last question because I know it's the mirror. But they did post this article listing like eight different names that Tuchel is planning on or trying to ship off next season. And Tomori was on that list. So surprisingly, Yeah, surprisingly along with Rudiger's name. Which makes your question even more ridiculous. Like, <laughs> like because it's true. Like, he, he, he has had a renaissance under him. And to see his name on that list was very, very shocking. But Andreas... Uh, what what do you think the difference in Tuchel's uh, uh, yeah yeah tenure? Uh, well, Tuchel, I'll I'll make it simple. Tuchel's been a manager for a longer period of time, and working with a large squad has not been an issue for him. I think Lampard, on the other hand, hadn't had that experience before. At you know in the championship, it's not like you're gonna have the crazy depth you have in the Premier League. And then in his first season with the transfer ban, he didn't have crazy amounts of depth as he did after a a big transfer window like we did this year. And on top of that, that COVID meant we couldn't, you know, offload what the manager and the board could consider Deadwood. So I think that's the big difference. Tuchel likes operating with a large squad because he is running a style of football that's very physically demanding. And in his 14, well, now 15 or 16 matches, Tuchel has used every single player in the roster at one point or another. So I think that's a big difference as to why. The other thing that we've heard all over the place is that Tuchel speaks to every player and has individual conversations with everyone in the locker room. So there is none of this kind of favoritism or, you know, someone feeling left out. And and the switch to the back three, I think, was key for, for Rudiger to get back into the side. And he's kind of, you know, just as the manager trusted in him, now that, you know, he's shown us why that, that was the, the, the case. Now for, for would Tuchel have sanctioned Fikayo Tomori's loan? Again, I think that goes down to the fact that Chelsea was put in a tough position when they couldn't sell any center backs. I think had we had four center backs instead of five on the roster, I think Tuchel would have gladly kept Tamori and used him just as much as he's used Zuma. He's used Christensen. He's used Thiago Silva. Again, he's going to use the players he has because he's not going to burn them out. And he's trying to compete in multiple fronts. So again, if we only had four center backs, I say he would have kept Tamori. But the matter of the fact is we have, we had five at the time. So somebody had to make room and in this climate, Tamori seemed to have the most suitors and the board acted on it. And now it looks like we're big losers on it because he's kicking butt at Milan. Zach? Um, 
I think it's more a matter of just kind of letting the players know where they stand in terms of the Rudiger situation. Uh, I think I think Tuchel, I think it's clear, um, and this is not a knock on Frank, um, but I think Tuchel's a better communicator with the players. Um, everybody just seems to have a better idea of what their roles are, and he's getting performances out of each and every player, whether they're coming off the bench or whether they're starting that match. Um, so, you know, again, all credit goes to him, but also credit goes to the players as well, especially a guy like Antonio Rudiger, who did, um, you know, get kind of pushed in and out of the squad under Frank. So for him to go under a regime change, obviously transfer rumors, if, if, if he was really on the transfer list, I mean, obviously he's read those rumors that all weighs on a player's mind. So for him to get out on the other side of it and be in the positive, it's good on him. Um, the Fakayo Tomori situation is an interesting one. Um, when I, I don't know if Tuchel would actually keep him. Um, I just think we have too many center backs. Ideally, who, if we did keep Tomori, then who would be leaving? Who would be the outgoing guy? Um, I can't see us parting ways with Zuma in January because we probably wouldn't get top dollar for him, and he's the most valuable um Andreas Christensen probably would have been the most likely but yeah as of late I don't know it's, it's, it's a tricky situation right now it sounds weird saying that because he's just been our he's been one of our best players and you know Dave's not going anywhere Tiago Silva we just brought in so it's a tricky situation I'm more interested to see what happens this summer um I AC Milan really likes him they keep talking him up um the more and more we're learning about the situation, uh, the more we're realizing that it's mutual. Tomori also likes Milan as well. So I don't know. It could be one of those situations where we might have to say bye-bye, but. I don't know. It, it, I think the inclusion of Rudiger in that article coinciding with the recent, you know, flare up in practice, like, it seems a little journalist driven, you know, this, this including him in that list. Like, I'm not 100% sure how legitimate it is. Obviously, you have to question everything that's written by the mirror. So, but uh, I'm not I, I'm not too sure how legitimate it is. All right, let's move on to the next question. I like this one a lot because it's going to bring in a lot of heat between Zach and Andreas. <laughs> this one's from uh, Dylan at Astro Worlds. He asks, are we going to see Hazard back at the bridge in the semifinals? Ooh, <laughs> I don't know. So far, that's what it looks like. And Andreas looks like he might be right. I don't know. I mean, it's been one leg. But Andreas, we'll start with you because you obviously have the upper hand right here in this uh, in this heated battle. Yeah. Uh, but what do I you hate think? to be the bearer of bad news, but we might not get to host the semifinal because we can't even host a quarterfinal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, sorry, Dylan. I don't think Hazard's return to the bridge literally will happen anytime soon. Now, they do have a two, Madrid have a two goal lead on, um, on Liverpool. I mean, I actually I take it back. I think Liverpool is playing Madrid in Anfield because Klopp did blame the fact yeah, that they, they played are. at Madrid Castilla Stadium as the reason why they lost, because they didn't play at a proper football stadium. I thought that was hilarious. Always but, with the excuses, man. I, there's a lot of those this year. Listen, if he just leaned on only the injuries, 
he would look a lot better than he's yeah, making Yeah, he can get away with that, too. He could totally get away with saying that. Yeah, yeah 100% he could get away with that. A football pitch is a football pitch, and I highly, highly doubt that Madrid's academy's pitch is any worse than the Bernabeu's grounds. Like, I'm sure the grass was perfect, the dimensions were great. Like, I'm... <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Ridiculous. Madrid are a possession team. They're gonna They're gonna have a nice fucking pitch. Uh, yeah. Ridiculous. Well, the, yeah. the point is Madrid played great without Moran, without Ramos, which is new to them. Yes, we just described Liverpool having their injuries of their own. Uh, Vinicius I mean, had a double, huh? Trent Alexander-Arnold was awful. <laughs> and if if he doesn't get his crap together, I don't see Liverpool coming back because there's no way they don't start him again next week. So. Yeah, I'm feeling good. It'd be great to have Hazard back at the bridge. Um, he's he's like recovering from an injury, if I'm not mistaken. So he'd be in the stands. Sad that fans won't get to be there to kind of give him a warm <laughs> welcome. But sure, he can come watch the Blues and, and maybe even cheer for them instead of uh, Madrid. <laughs> so besides, so aside the fact that the match won't be played at the bridge and Hazard we probably don't won't be playing. Well, but the, but yes, to answer your question. According to Andreas, we will be playing them. <laughs> Zach, yes, what do you think? <sighs> Look, it's obviously just still say up in it, here. bro. You're wrong. It's okay. Like, come on, no, just say it. it. <laughs> there's a lot of football left to be played. Look, you guys were talking at halftime when it was two nil, and then all of a sudden it's two two, two two. Or, or or two one. Sorry, five minutes into the half. Yeah. Well, look. There's still 90 minutes of football. Here's the thing. I'm not going to root for Liverpool because fuck that. It's not happening. So, so You'd rather be wrong. Yeah, you'd rather, I'd rather be, be wrong. wrong in this that, situation. Hey, and also in this situation, you said you would rather play Real Madrid. So at the end of the day, you do win like in that sense. Like we got to play the play, the team that you would rather play against. So like yeah. you guys could you guys at the end of the day could both be right. That's pretty I cool. will tell you this though. After watching that match, um, if we don't have Conte, and we do wind up drawing Madrid, God help us all. Because that midfield is, is unreal. Don't say that. I think that's uh, bad juju. I, knocking on wood. <laughs> I think the fact that Phillips and Arnold were Trent Alexander Arnold were on the same side of a back four was criminal. So. I, who? I don't want to. Who was the Who was the guy you said before Trent? Phillips. Uh. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. Like I, I think Liverpool's setup and again the way their backline played was just it gave too much credit to Madrid midfield. I'm more afraid of Benzema and, and Vinicius Junior than um, Tony Kroos can try to put that ball over. It's not going to beat Reese James. It's not going to beat Aspie. It's certainly not going to beat Thiago or Christensen. Like, we're pressing those guys that are trying to be deep playmakers with our front three. So, it's a little different. But, yeah, I that Liverpool started really poorly. To be fair to them, they've come back against Barcelona before. But fans were present, blah, blah, blah. You know, There's no need to be fair story. to Liverpool. It's okay. And, and, and Mo Salah's auditioning for his future club anyways, I think. But at least that's what it seems like. All right, let's go on to the next question. Um, this one's another one from Ron. He asks, do we still go all in for fourth place, or 
did we put all of our bas eggs in the Champions League basket? Right, so we're going back to Premier League a little bit. Uh, totally forgot that we actually played West Brom this past weekend. Completely gone from my memory. I totally forgot that happened, remember? Uh, so with looking forward now in the in the Premier League, do you think that we have to like go all in on one? Is it possible to hedge and kind of play it safe in both? I mean like we we could I think we still have enough like enough talent to field a strong team in the Premier League while also resting crucial players for Champions League, no? Like do we have to choose one or the other? Zach, what do you think? I don't think we have to choose one or the other. I don't like this question, to be completely honest. And, Sorry, and this Ron. Is not a dis no more questions. No more questions. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> the reason why I don't like it is because um, we should be fighting for every single trophy that's available, period. I don't like taking a back seat in one competition to favor another competition because that other competition is not a sure thing. The Champions League is not a sure thing. If we put all of our eggs into the Champions League basket and then next round we draw Manchester City – we have to beat Manchester City. And then what if we beat Manchester City? Then we might have to play PSG. Zach, Bayern Zach, Munich. Zach, Zach, Zach. We, we don't we, – we know what our trajectory is already. We'll only face City, PSG, or Bayern in the final. We play Madrid or Liverpool. Okay, okay. Well, then, I mean, this is – my point is – Yeah, it doesn't change, yeah. It still doesn't change, yeah. It, it's still a difficult road to get there. Yeah. And, like, we can go ahead and shit on Madrid and Liverpool as much as we want because they're not as good as they were three, four years ago, or, or more so for Liverpool a year ago. But look at Porto. We were shitting on them last week, and they're actually a pretty good little team. When it comes down to the Champions League, these guys pretty play out of their skin. Pretty good little team. That's disrespectful, fucking, Zach. <laughs> fucking Tottenham made the Champions League final. Um, for God's sake. So that just kind of shows you it doesn't necessarily matter like what the caliber of the team is. It's still a difficult competition nonetheless. And with that being said, it's a fucking trophy we go all out for, but we don't put the league in the back seat for it. We go at both. And whatever casualties happen along the way happen along the way. That's just part of football. But either way, we need to be winning every league match and we need to be doing our best to win every Champions League match. We're Full stop. <laughs> so, so Ron, Zach just gave you like the motivational Braveheart speech version of the answer. I'll give you the the factual one. We have a healthy squad. We have 22 players. Like, we have enough players to compete on all fronts. We can interchange Christensen and Thiago Silva. We can interchange Rudiger, Aspie, and Zuma to to be in that back three. Our midfield options are healthy. Our wing back options are healthy. Our front three options are healthy. Like, we have the players to do it. We have this, the skill level to do it. We should not be prioritizing one thing over another. I think our, our best bet is still focusing on the league without having to, like Zach said, like give up on the Champions League because we do still have a game against West Ham. If we can beat West Ham, we're back in the driver's seat. So, you know, you don't want to put it into you don't want to put all of your Champions League qualification into 90 minutes against one of the top five teams in all of Europe should we make the final when you have eight nine matches in the Premier League that can control getting into the top four as well so yeah you go for the trophies without giving up the fact that you should still get into Champions League by the top four qualification and we have all the players to do so let's get it well I mean also, if you think about it this way, 
we don't need to win fourth place if we win Champions League. So, you know, we can we can go all out on that. But that that was my point too. I think we can double dip. We can do we can do both. Can we do both? Yes. Will we? We'll see. Um, all right. This next one is from Black Emoji at Stefano Dimera. Oh no, it's the other way around. It's Stefano Dimera at Black, at Black Emoji. Emoji. Thanks, Zach. Uh, he said the way we're about to snatch that Champions League trophy, and he posted the picture of Kanye taking uh, Taylor Swift's. Uh, I'm gonna let y'all finish, but. Chelsea are going to the Champions League final, okay? I'm going to let y'all finish, but he said, but honestly, based on this current shaky form, how do we hold up against tougher opposition if we do make it through to the next round? I mean, we we, we just mentioned, we, we kind of broke it down, obviously, the route, um, but we are we are undoubtedly underdogs in any any future matchup that we have against any team. Um, but Zach, what, what, what do you think that we need to do in order to make it through all the way to the end? It's funny that it's like shaky form. We went, what, 14 matches unbeaten or 15 <laughs> matches unbeaten. It's, it's, well, shaky form is recent. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's, uh, yeah. To be fair, it is very recent. Um, but I don't think that we were ever a team that was necessarily firing on all cylinders under Tuchel anyways. Like we, we were still squeaking out the wins and squeaking out the results. So I think we handle it the same way we've been handling our season so far. I mean, it, it's clear that the squad still needs some work. Um, some players are still not firing on all cylinders. Some players still aren't completely healthy. Um, and, you know, it, it's still the beginning of Tuchel's reign. So the approach really doesn't change much. It's not like there's a big familiarity with these players or we've seen, you know, it's not like Tuchel's been here a long time and we've seen five or six different ways of playing in different formations. It's it, it's not like that. So I think we approach it one match at a time. We, we do have to have that mindset. And going back to Ron's question from earlier, it's you just worry about the game that's in front of you um, and, and keep approaching every match the same way you've been doing so. Um, or more so, approach the game or approach the match the same way you approach the 15 when you went unbeaten. Um, so yeah, it's, it's an interesting question, but Andres, I'm curious to see what you think. I mean, our, I don't think anything's been wrong with our approach. Every winning streak or every unbeaten streak comes to an end eventually. And we, we followed it up with, wasn't necessarily a punctual victory, but it was a solid one. Yeah, I mean, first off, I want to point out that Black Emoji went from why should I watch any Chelsea to hey, we're going to win the Champions League. So I'm glad you're back on the boat, buddy. Hey, Stay on all it. credit to Andreas for doing that. It's all due to you. <laughs> hey, there's just a lot. You know, 2012, you shuffle those numbers around, you get 2021. I mean, <laughs> Whoa. I didn't even think about that. Just Yo. saying. Just saying, wow. playing a Portuguese team, we're going to have to play a Spanish team. Again, Bayern, the Bayern part or the Dortmund part getting into the final is getting a little trickier because they both lost their first leg. But, hey, Whoa. I'm just saying. I'm nice just saying. But in, in, terms of, in terms of how do we hold up against tougher opposition, I mean, we've talked about this before. This Chelsea group matches the level of opposition they play. West Brom, they obviously came in and they underestimated the opposition. And, of course, on top of that, Thiago got a red card. And 
it is what it is. But I find it hard to believe that this group of guys, led by players who've been there before, such as Thiago Silva and Aspie, Kovacic, who's won it multiple times, uh, Conte was a World Cup winner at this point. You know, you have guys that know what it takes to win a trophy, a major trophy. And Tuchel was just in the final last season. So I think we, we continue to play tough defense. We we match up well with with a lot of these guys. Obviously, I'm not going to say we match up well individually against someone like Holland or Mbappe because those guys are aliens. But I think as a group, these guys know that the identity is to play tough defense and to to make the best of the chances we do get. So, yeah, I think we just continue to play the way we do. Yes, today's performance was shaky, like he said, but two two goals at the end of the day. I mean, I don't care who scores them. We talk about this every week. You know, strikers aren't scoring. Alonzo scores. Chilwell scores. You know, whoever needs to be doing it. Hell, a Kovacic screamer to beat Madrid. Whatever. I don't care how it happens. I just... It starts with playing good defense and not conceding, especially with these two-legged playoffs until the final. And, and yeah, we continue to ride this new identity that, that we have under Tuchel. I still can't get over the whole 2012 and 2021 anagram <laughs> thing. That is, that's just absolutely blown my mind. I'm, I'm shocked in I haven't seen that. In 2012, one of our players dribbled past a keeper to score. In 2021, Chilwell drives past a keeper to score. I mean, Stop dude, it's it. just... Oh, I'm, not, I, I'm not saying I have my tinfoil hat on, but I'm also not not saying that I don't have my tinfoil hat on. You don't on. have a tinfoil hat on. You have, like, a robe, a magic, like, hat, like a pointy <laughs> magic hat, and, like, a crystal ball or some shit, like a, a, a witch's cauldron mixing up something. I don't know what, what you're on right now, but... I like it. Keep it up. <laughs> All right, let's go on to the next question. This one's from Prashant, the homie. Oh, says, before we read this, I, I think it's time. Ron, I think it's time, man. It's, yeah. Prashant's been Good consistent. Show. As consistent as Tuchel's reign at Chelsea. Respect. I think, I think Ron, you know what to, take, what to do. It's time to knight this man. I think, I think Prashant would benefit under the... Uh... Under, how should I say this? I don't know. I don't, don't want to say supervision because I'm going to make them today, sound like, I really don't I'm, know. I'm, I'm trying to be like all like, you know, next level this week and it's just not happening. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you stopping and saying, what am I trying to say is definitely the farthest thing from next level. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know how he has like all of these sort of outlandish takes sometimes right, right? rash, like, like rash opinions rash i didn't want to say rash but you, you made me <laughs> so these rash opinions um i i think i think the rep ultras will, will will tame him a little bit yeah that's what i was trying to say yeah bring him down to earth a little bit or ground him a yeah. little bit and make him realize that we're gonna be all right but you see see the thing with him is that he's never he's never necessarily wrong in his concerns but it's it's it worries me that the current no the concerns overshadow the positives and it's i mean it's it's not for my benefit it's for his like and i don't I'm not, i don't know this is, this is a fact or anything i'm just assuming but you know you're, you're gonna enjoy the game less if you worry so much about what happened wrong but look this is what this is what he asked 
He said, great result, but two major frustrations. One, our inability for our mid or defense to pass the ball to the forward line. And two, hoofing the ball aimlessly to lose possession without a target man. What do you think Tuchel needs to do to address these? And this is actually, it's funny that he said this because I said when I was trying to defend Timo and Kai, those are the two things I said that, you know, the midfield wasn't passing the ball forward to get to get the ball to them. And just losing the ball uh, on these crazy long balls from Rudiger uh, way out. And, yeah, he did have one chance on target. And I'm shocked that we never brought up Kai Havertz's just absolute crazy miss. But um, going back to, to Prashant's question, is, is it, is, does it come down to team selection uh, when you want to fix these issues? Because this is something that we've noticed, obviously, from Jovicic for a while. Um, they're, they're, they have this internal clock kind of feeling where you know they 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 see the balls on one side for too much and they think okay I got to recycle it I got to switch it over like you know that's just what I don't know if that's by instruction or just by instinct or whatever but Andreas I'll start off with you uh what do you think needs to happen to address these two issues that uh, Prashant is pointing out uh I think again it, first off He's right. I mean, our, the two midfielders do, do not look forward. The the Jorginho pass to, to Mount is the one time I can think of where we tried to get it directly to those front three guys. Uh, you know, the the hoofing the ball aimlessly to lose possession, I think the passes were just off. I mean, all I could think about, like, is if that was going to be our game plan, you know, you, you'd think that the move would have been to play Thiago Silva. I'm not saying Christensen played bad defensively because he did not, but the, those passes were not there at all. Um, I mentioned Chilwell making the runs for it. It's just, yeah, it, the, the, it's not in their DNA. They, Kovacic and Jorginho are not Cesc Fabregas. Kovacic and Jorginho are just not Frank Lampard. They're not that kind of player that's looking to be progressive and threatening the moment the ball is at their feet. The defense gets to rest when the ball touches uh, Jorginho and Kovacic in the final third because they're not a shot threat. They rarely dribble themselves into the box. And you're right, the ball goes straight back outside or backwards. And, you know, I've mentioned this before. I think it's just part of it is getting new personnel. Part of it is getting, you know, a new system in place during the summer. But the big thing is, is I think Tuchel needs to limit the amount of things he's trying to put into these people's heads to to make these alterations throughout the season because he doesn't have much time. We we should be playing two matches a week for the rest of the season. And I think he decided that he'll pick his battle, and this battle was the defense. And, you know, I, I've said it now a couple of times, and every time that you guys ask me for a score prediction, I say it again. We need to get used to scoring few goals because for the rest of the season, we're going to be grinding out results. And, you know, next season, I'll be more critical about the offense because I think there's going to be new faces. I think there's going to be a new way we're going to be playing in place as well to kind of unleash this this uh, attacking talent that we do have. But in terms of this match, I think the credit goes more to Porto than to what we did wrong because we know what we have and we know what to expect from these players. So it's nothing new. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, for, for me, it was more a credit to Porto as to why we were aimlessly kicking the ball up the pitch. I mean, those those are clearances. Porto was pressing us pretty well, and and, and our issue was we couldn't get out um, for large parts of the match. So, yeah, I mean, credit to Porto in that respect. Um, but ditto, Andres. I, I I agree with everything you said, man. I I think I think it's time to stop being critical of the offense. And just kind of accept accept it for what it what it is. It kind of goes back to to my answer on um, on um, Stefano's question on you know like how do we handle tougher opposition? Well, there is no other way to handle it. We only know how to play this way right now, and it's working. So um, we got to ride it out because there isn't enough time to change things up or drastically alter the the, the playing style. That's it's just not going to happen between now and the end of May. Yeah, I agree too. Uh, all right, let's go on to our last question. Uh, this one's from Kendall Higa at khiga19. He asks, I think Pulisic needs to come off the bench for the remainder, limit his minutes, and provides that spark. Werner needs to sit a, sit a week at least, <laughs> which is something that we said before and we agree with. Uh, at this point, he's just losing confidence and doing the team no good. Thoughts? Zach, what are your thoughts on what Kendall Higa had to say? There's a lot of logic to what he's saying about the Pulisic situation. If the issue is that the guy keeps getting injured, a big issue uh, with 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 uh, muscle tissue injuries is fatigue. Um, so if we can limit his minutes and find a way for him to be effective and find a way for him to also be happy while limiting his minutes, um, then great. Do I think that's going to happen? That's another conversation. Um, I think a guy like him needs to be playing as much as possible. But the idea of him coming off the bench as our impact player, I think it works because Pulisic does have that f sort of arrogant fearlessness when he comes out onto the pitch. He just grabs a ball and he runs at you. He doesn't really care. Um, so having that type of mindset or that type of personality um, as a player can definitely make you beneficial off the bench for your team more so than, you know, maybe like a guy like Ziyech whose game's a little bit more passive, no pun intended. Um, Werner, we already kind of touched it. I think, I just think the guy needs a break, but um, Andres, what are your thoughts on the whole Pulisic thing? I mean, it sounds good at face value, doesn't it? As, as much as we hate to say it. it. It sounds nice. I just think if the guy can do what Timo Werner couldn't do in 65 minutes, it makes sense to start him. I mean, physios have to clear him. I mean, it's their job at the end of the day to let us know if he's good to go. Just I, give him six, like, just give him an hour. Yeah, don't. He doesn't have to finish the ninety. None of our front three ever finished the ninety in this system. That's our typical sub, and and as they should, they shouldn't finish the ninety because they're supposed to be pressing, and and winning the ball back high up the pitch. So, Ziyech again has been playing well. Mason Mount starts. And then it's always a rotation up front. So, you know, Havertz, Tammy, and Giroud will keep rotating in that third spot. So it's just a matter of whether it's Ziyech or Pulisic who's on form. I agree that Werner needs to sit for a bit, but I don't want to just shoehorn Pulisic to a sub only. Especially, like I said, today he looked, yes, he had a spark, but it'd be nice to have that spark from minute one. I, I'm not a fan of... of just, uh, you know, succeeding by just the adjustment that we make halfway through the match. I, I'd like to be the team that 
starts and knocks teams out before 90 minutes are even over. And if that means Pulisic starts and plays 65 minutes and gives us a good 65, then I want that. I want, I, I'm tired of, you know, like I, I know I said just now that we're going to have to get used to winning one zero and stuff, but it'd be nice if those, those come earlier. And if Pulisic can provide that or Ziyech can provide that, they need to be starting. Um, it's, it's tough. It's not, it, this isn't the NBA in basketball where you can come off the bench and, and drop 16 points. Like, you know, it, it, sometimes getting into a game is tough. And if you're only given 20 minutes, you spend about seven of those minutes finding your place in the balance of, of how the game is being played. So yes, today you had a huge spark, but I think even that could be much bigger and, and, and have a bigger impact if he's there for 60 ish minutes. I'm with you on that. All right. I think that wraps it up. Well, we do uh we do play Crystal Palace at the weekend. Um Zach, you okay? Did Zach mute himself? I don't know. He's he disappeared, but Okay. We do, I'll, we... I'll just say yeah, go we ahead. Play Palace this oh, weekend. Can you, hello, yo, can you guys hear me? Oh, there he <laughs> yeah. is. Hey, Zach. I don't know what happened. All right, um, just, just I heard you guys, now. but yeah, we got Palace. We do. Let's win. Uh, what are we predicting? A win. I think <laughs> we win. Two. I'm going two 0 again. Tammy Abraham starts the game. I just hope Gary Cahill doesn't pull his hamstring again. Ugh. Unless unless it results in a goal, that's the only exception, which is what that happened would be last an time. <laughs> I'm going. Uh, I'm gonna go two nil again. I like that prediction. They uh, my prediction scrappy. is that Tammy starts this match. Mm. Like that. Yeah, two like goals that. for two goal. That's that's two our new goals motto. For two goal. There we go. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I guess we'll call it there, guys. So if you're not following us on Twitter already, um, make sure you are uh, at Romans Empire Pod. Uh, the same exact handle uh, works for our Instagram as well. So make sure you're following us on both platforms. Also available uh, via email, RomansEmpirePod at gmail.com. If you guys want to hit us up uh, to give us your thoughts on the match, ask questions, or just say hello. Uh, we like hearing from you regardless. So, um, Ron, if you're still listening, don't forget uh, you have some homework with Prashanth. It's time that we knight him. And uh, until next week, three more points in the bag, uh, hopefully. And let's keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>